0: Welcome to the Lila Life Show. I'm Linda Tate Andrews, your host, Thrive Coach, and consultant, bringing you curious conversations with our peers and experts on integrating consciousness into the modern world. Tune in regularly to expand. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Lila Life Show. I am your host, Linda Andrews, and I am so excited to bring you my special guest today, Anessa Freya. She is a feng shui specialist and a spiritual psychotherapist and just an amazing human. Welcome, Anessa. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Happy, what are we on? We're on a Wednesday right now? Yeah. Happy Wednesday. Wednesday. (laughs) So, um, you know, starting the show today, I'd like to ask you, what does integrating consciousness in the modern world as a feng shui specialist and a spiritual psychotherapist, what does that mean to you?
1: Wow, that's a big question. Well, the first thing that comes up just in terms of integrating consciousness, like I think it's it's an inside job. So, you know, I feel like once people become responsible for whatever is going on inside of them, and they take responsibility for their inner space, we don't have to be so outward focused. Okay, um, in terms of the space, the space is an extension of that internal world. So a lot of times people don't have necessary tools to mind their own inner business. <laughs> they just don't know how to do that. They don't know how to be with themselves and with, their, and with their process, but they can actually use the container of the space to help them create safety, to create peace from the outside so that they can have a more gentle, easier, deep dive inside of themselves. So that is one thing you do have easy access to is creating like joyful, um conscious environments which help you stay present and the way to do that is to really make sure that the space isn't pulling you into an older version of yourself because as we know a lot of times when we hold on to stuff from the past that no longer resonates whether it's internally or externally those images those pictures those stories those situations prevent us from being with whatever is here So if becoming responsible means being present with whatever is here, we need to make things, we need to update the environment so it supports us in dropping in so we can take more responsibility for whatever is here.
0: I feel like we could end the show right there. <laughs> no, you, you, you literally, you just shine so many like very profound truths. And what I just kept picturing is like someone meditating in an environment that's really distracting or an environment that feels really supportive of say the practice of meditation. Yeah. Yes. And, um, depending, it's, it's all about
1: what the intention is, right? Mm-hmm. So if the intention is for meditation, then to have, that kind of space where you know wherever our peripheral goes we have to process that so if you have clutter in the space and if you have things that are unfinished which is actually that's that's under the umbrella of clutter anything Mm -hmm. unfinished and complete then your mind will always leave your body to to, (laughs) to seek to complete that and by the way this is not about perfectionism because my space is constantly in a state of flux like I'm look right now because we're all at home and I'm at home. Like I've got different stations set up in my house, and I and I can feel like there's a lot going on, but it's also it's also helping stir my creativity. So that's supporting me at this moment. But if I'm wanting to meditate, you better believe I'm going to make it really clean mm-hmm. to help me drop into myself. It's very hard to drop into yourself when you're when you're having to like when there's things around you that are reminding you that that are calling your attention to them, and that's it with everything. Like I, I mean, that's even internally like what's what's asking what's asking what's calling you into a deeper relationship with 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 yourself at this moment and if it's like that I need to have a conversation with somebody or I need to you know heal a relationship or that it's a, I need to let go of a relationship or like whatever that is um, that's preventing you from being in that deeper relationship with yourself it's there it's going to be in your psyche it's going to be in your space you can find the equivalent of what's um, of what's cluttering you up in your space. Oftentimes.
0: Um, You mentioned like doing this somewhat regularly. How often do you think it's worth taking inventory of your space? Is it just when there's major life changes or is it like with some rhythm? It's a good question. Um, I mean, for me, I I have to do it
1: constantly just because I accumulate paper Mm -hmm. a lot like I'm a I'm a junkie when it comes to ideas and information. <laughs> that's my area. Mm-hmm. So it, it also depends on your level of sensitivity. We're all really different. Like I have very low stress tolerance for stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have to
1: be going through my stuff quite a bit. Some people have more of a resistance. They have a lot. They have more of a tolerance to deal with their their junk. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember, like that stress tolerance, that's energy that's going that's leaving you that has to go and like process whatever is out there. Mm-hmm. So when you clear it up, you all of a sudden feel like I have so much energy that I didn't even know I was spending to deal and to mitigate with whatever those things are outside of me. So it just depends on how you're wired. I mean, my wiring is more sensitive in that regard. I have to do a lot of, a lot of going through papers, a lot of like, do I need this? Do I love this? Is it supporting me right now? Does it make sense for who I am now and who I want to be two years from now? There's a lot of that kind of processing. Um, Mm. I've noticed that people that are more cerebral, they're more in their heads. They don't, they're not as impacted by their stuff versus like more empathic and emotional beings like myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that resonates. And it's almost like all the thoughts in the head and like the stack of papers, like it all fits together or it could be way, way, way too much. And I imagine that part of the work that you do is helping with that personal inquiry part of a person. Like if they haven't known that about themselves is to just even first learn that part of themselves and start from there. Exactly. And then like
1: also pointing out excuse me, what, what people are holding on to, like making them aware of what's in the space that they weren't aware of before and what that item might be a stand-in for. For example, you know, if someone is still um, holding on to a relationship, um, even if it's on the inner, like they're still feeling like maybe something will happen with this person, even though it ended like a year ago, mm-hmm. be keeping gifts from that individual, and that's holding them into that past reality. And by, bringing, by, by making them aware of that, um, they become more empowered to make a choice as to what they want to do with it in that moment. So that's a lot of my work is like, are you aware that you have this image in this area of the house and it represents scarcity or it represents loneliness or it represents an, a great aunt of yours that had an issue with so-and-so and so, or with this, you know, like a lot of the space becomes a metaphor, becomes an out picturing or like a, almost like it acts as a, as a programming device for our, our mind. So it's good when we're consciously using it to program our energy in a certain direction, but then it can also like, deplete us if we're doing it unconsciously. So when you asked in the beginning about like, what's going to make, how do you bring consciousness to the modern world? I think it's mindfulness and awareness of the space, like inner, outer, outer, inner. And when I say taking full responsibility, it's about like whatever's showing up in your space, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Like the moment I take responsibility for what's here, even if it's like a complete mess in my house, like if I just take 100% responsibility for it, I'm willing to take 100% responsibility, I get power and mm-hmm. I get energy. But if I'm resisting, which is procrastinating, delaying, blaming, then it depletes my energy. And then I go into an addiction pattern, addictive pattern, right? To remove myself from the pain that I'm feeling, an addiction can look like controlling others. It can look like food, sex, love. I mean, there's a thousand different ways of criticism, what am I using not to look at? What am I using? What am I abusing not to deal with what's here in this moment? (laughs) You know,
0: you, you bring up like this, just perfect process. When I say perfect, it's like the perfect parallel of what I feel like collectively we're in right now in a way. And, um, something that's been really landing for me is the opportunity for personal responsibility collective responsibility and what I mean by that is like understanding like I had a part in getting us and me to where I am? And like, what does that fully look like in me? And, and what was I neglecting to see? What was I, and, and it's just feels like the perfect parallel to how you are explaining understanding and being with yourself and with your space. Um, and then beyond like that reflected within your physical space here within a home, let's say, you know, out beyond that. Um, and, and for me, I'm just hearing like that continue echoing of how powerful this work is and just to hear you say like it starts with that personal responsibility really lands.
1: I really love the work yeah I really you know I love the work of Margaret Paul she Mm -hmm. wrote a book called uh, the uh, diet something diet divine connection it's very good I'm going to tell you the name right now in a second I think it's the, the diet of the divine connection or the divine connection diet
0: Okay.
1: He lays out like a really great step process. And the first step is 100% responsibility. And the second step is like um, an intent to learn to love yourself and others. Mm. Part of it is also that self-love, right? It's like being able to like, okay, I know. like, Because once you become, a lot of times people, (laughs) I'll speak for myself, what makes it hard to take 100% responsibility is this fear of like the guilt and the shame that will come with it,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and the remorse. And so if the second step is an intention to love myself and others, and you can do that with compassion, you can do that process of taking responsibility with self-love. And I don't know if we can arrive at wisdom without that step, Mm -hmm. because then we're going to constantly be in, in that toxic shame space of blaming ourselves for what we did wrong. Because that's not the way out. The way out is like self love. The learn that's the only way to learn and to to arrive at wisdom. Otherwise, it's like I think the shame actually perpetuates the patterns. Uh, Because a lot of people are probably sitting at home and have, I would imagine, they're they're being faced with this opportunity of doing a moral inventory, and that's very scary Um, for many people because they don't know how to do that without self-deprecation or without the cattle prod of like beating themselves up, thinking that's the way they're going to change. I think that's a big problem in our society.
0: Yeah. Like being able to see clearly, like understand the lessons, the results of the decisions in that like ever loving space, almost like every single thing that happened to this moment was perfect. And I love myself and there's a lot of work that can be done from here. Like when I say perfect, I mean like just per- perfect, perfect in the sense that it happened in, in like divine order. Exactly. Like that kind of perfect.
1: Because yeah, from the consciousness of like spiritual, of like spirit from that consciousness, like everybody comes in here with a, a with a curriculum. So it's not so much the events that happen, it's how we're relating and being with the events. From, from like a spirit, from the spirit's perspective, there's no good or bad, right or wrong. It's like, how, how are you going to contextualize what's happening to you? Because your soul already comes in with, with, a, with a wound, with something that it needs to heal and to learn and to grow from, you know? And so like what, what ends up happening to you, um, sure, there are cert- I believe that our choices that can give us more joy, mm-hmm. we can make the path a little bit easier. Um, but from that higher level, like it's really about the soul getting getting its learning you know, uh, using life, having a having a learning orientation towards life. So whatever is showing up, you're using it to, to learn from. You're using it to get your lesson. And if we all look at the, our history, I, I can only speak for myself, when I look at my history, it's a different person, a different, a seemingly different circumstance, but it's the same lesson over and over and over again. Within yourself for myself it's always the same it's always goes back to the same it's a groundhog day mm-hmm. you know like i love the work of joe Di- joe dispensa for that are you familiar with this work oh yeah, yeah. So as you know it's like you have to get out of your mind like you have to like get out of your mind to have a new a shift in to recontextualize a mm-hmm. only way otherwise it's like if you're using the same mind we're going to keep going back into the same feelings which are going to propel the same behaviors over and over again so I've been I've been working with a lot of his work as well to help me
0: that book the breaking the habit of being yourself that changed my life and it's in an odd way it's in a way that I would say 2012 um I was just noticing within myself and just like, observing, like, huh, social media is getting really weird. And in 2012, it wasn't certainly, like, as robust as it is today. And there was not much research on social media addiction, and I was searching for it. Interesting. And that's how I found Joe Dispenza, and that book, and I read that book. And at the time I was sort of like party girl, over drinking, over eating, like all the things. And I was just like, well, this is never going to change. It's not like, oh, you're done with college. It goes away. If I'm making all the same decisions, I'm going to just continue in my life. So um, yeah, I, I, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I I do love his work. And I think that the power of the inner space beyond beyond our space we're sitting in right now, our inside space, right? Mm-hmm. Equaling maybe consciousness is, is like, is the sweet spot. And he certainly gives so many good guidances to that.
1: Yeah, he's like so great at, at the science behind it. And and he's just, he's created all these different like tools to test consciousness and to measure mm-hmm. consciousness, even in the environment. Like mm-hmm. he's got tools to measure consciousness, not within a physical space, Mm -hmm. which means that the physical space is alive. So like all matter is actually particles and wavelengths of energy. So everything in your house is vibrating. So it's inherently vibrating at a certain frequency. And that vibration is based on several things. One, the, the history of that item, where it comes from, the person who lives in the house and the discharge of emotions and thoughts into the space, which condition that item. Mm. And then also the actual item and what it represents by itself.
0: Wow. So
1: if our items, okay, if there's a symbiotic, so imagine there's a symbiotic relationship between our psyche and our space. Mm. There's an ongoing mutual dialogue. So, the, so a problem emerges, right? When like the space is not supporting, where am I going? In? Like where's my energy taking me? Where do I want to be in two years from now? And we in feng shui, we have ways of clearing an energy. You know, we use different practices to clear the space. Some things cannot be cleared. If I'm sleeping on a bed, I had a mattress that I was sleeping on for many years. Um, and although I didn't have a very long relationship that that like hung out with me on that mattress, I had many Different partners, and at one point I was like, "I'm over clearing my mat." I was clearing it, clearing it, and I'm like, "You know what? I'm ready to reset the cheat in my space."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel, I feel like I sleep so much better on this mattress than I ever did before because the consciousness from those people and from my emotions and from every breakup was embedded into my mattress.
0: So, did you get the new mattress, or you were able to clear yeah. this? Sp- okay,
1: no, I cleared. No, but no, I was doing. I can clear. Like that's my I am prof- a professional space clear, but there's only so many times you're gonna clear and clear and clear until you're like okay I'm like I want to I want like to start fresh.
0: So like in that instance though you were re- you got a new mattress in I that one that yeah. yeah yeah that that that's in like intuitively you could feel like it's time for a new mattress with so, I'm I'm like illustrating that with so many other items throughout a household that that similarly could be coming up.
1: For sure. Yeah. And we, and and that's why it's like, you asked in the beginning, well, how, when do you know, like, how do you know it's time to reevaluate or how often do I reevaluate? I think it's, it's, it's one of these things where I'm constantly surveying, like what makes sense and then what doesn't, and then moving things around and asking myself if it's, if it's giving me energy or if it's depleting my chi and, you know, the mind, because of because we're hardwired for attachment, the mind won't always give you the answer. You have to tune into the body. The body will give you a yes or a no. It's like an energy up, energy down. Does this in the energy or does it deplete my chi? Yes or no? Oh, this feels good. Oh, this feels bad. I mean, I wish I used it more often in terms of love. That's probably my big area. It's like, uh-huh. I don't, you know, I'm really good at everything else, but in love, I tend to, that's my, we all have our Achilles heel. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's been mine. It's like. I don't always know because, you know, you have to also have a history of, like, I know, what space, I know when it feels good in my space. Mm-hmm. I don't always, I'm not always the best until after the fact of determining, oh, that probably was a situation I should have gone out, gone, like left a lot earlier, you know? So we have to kind of know what is our weak spot. And then once we understand, we create like support for ourselves in, mm-hmm. in, in developing our discernment. But we
0: have to know and be honest with what that is. Yeah. The, um, the space I'm laughing because like within my family, I get actually teased a bit because I will move stuff around a lot. And, uh, like my parents will come over and they're like, Oh, you moved the living room again. And it's just this ongoing, it's like you would think that I've moved stuff around daily. That's kind of like the type of reputation for teasing. But I think on some level, just this like intuitive, like, okay, that something's off. Like you can feel these like cuts in the energy and flow or, you know, but, but as you're talking, there's so, there's just so much more. I'm like, huh, I wonder if every single one of those books on the bookshelf should be there. Right. Like that's just a small example, but the opportunity to continuously do this inventory and how that can clear the energy ways to feel better every day create space. Right. And so when the
1: create, so that space that gets created, allows them for something new to come in.
0: How did you get into all this?
1: Um, I was 25 years old in LA and, um, well, I actually even step. let me take a step back. I had a boyfriend. So on my way to LA, I was like, I'm going to be a casting director in Hollywood. That's my dream. my My boyfriend at the time was like, okay. I was, I was living in Seattle and he was like, well, you know we should get a feng shui lady to come out and feng shui our house to help you you know manifest your dream and so she came over and the first thing she said was that i had a creative vision board we changed the placement of like our desk and um i i after her after that session i manifested a job with the only casting director in seattle washington wow <laughs> and then like after that i i went to la six months later i went to la i was looking for work i couldn't find a job And I had a phone number of some, some actor in Seattle that was like, um, that, that a girl in Seattle told me, call this actor if you need help. He's a really great guy. I met him in Santa Fe. I ended up calling him. We met for coffee and he's like, you know, I know, I know a good book you should read. This will help you. He walked me over to this bookstore and it was move your stuff, change your life. It was a feng shui book. He was like, buy this book and feng shui your room. So it was like feng shui from Seattle, led me to LA. This guy told me to read a book on feng shui. I read a book and feng shui my whole bedroom and I started getting like one interview after another. And I got, a, and I ended up in a career in casting, casting our office. We ended up winning like the RDS award for the best movie, but ultimately I feng shui myself out of casting and into feng shui. Cause that was really what I was most passionate about, you know, wow. working with actors and different, um, you know, producers and just a lot of different people. Um, but it wasn't until I found spiritual psychology in California that my work, see, my work was very, was all feng shui driven. So it was all about the space and all about shape and symbolism and intention and meaning. But then when I found spiritual psychology, it, it, it became grounded in, in uh, psychology. So now I, I look at space as an extension of psyche
0: hmm.
1: and how can we use space to program the mind? And how can we use space as a feedback mechanism to understand underlying currents, underlying issues, underlying attachments that need to be looked at and and resolved? How can we look at the space and use it to reinforce our goals? And, um, you know, sometimes there are things outside of your control. There are certain spaces that have things like energy lines in the earth, you know, that you can't, you don't know that there is like a cross crisscross of like two energy lines in Is that ba-
0: like a ley line? Yeah, like a ley line.
1: You know, there could be like a Native American, that this could have been a site, you know, where there was a lot of Native American burial site. Like you, there's things that you don't always know mm-hmm. that might be that might be aggravating and creating a certain kind of a geo, either a geopathic stress or there could be a portal in the environment. So there are things that you can't you can't always see or intuit. Um, but I do have people that I work with that help when those things show up in, in a space. I just think it's a, it's a fascinating, I love Feng Shui, the type of Feng Shui that I work with. It's, it's, I guess you could call this more of a, a Western style of Feng Shui because I don't work with fixed compass directions. I'm Although wondering. I know how to use them, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't use them to, I don't use them because it's more about like working in the quantum field and, and using the space as a 3 d vision board to like reinforce and reprogram mind. So it's more of a programming tool. That's
0: You're like I mean. the Joe Dispenza of feng shui. Well, I, that's funny you should say that because when I went
1: to his workshop here a few years back, I, uh, I got too shy though. And I couldn't, I couldn't get him during a break. I was, uh, first, I really wanted to. You, I, couldn't, I wanted to like say, hey, can we measure the before and after? Because that's what I want. I want the tool that's like cool. the feng shui, after feng shui. Like it's the like, measuring the consciousness tool. Yeah, the consciousness tool for space. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be?
0: Yeah, it, well, I mean, it kind of in some way r- reminds me of a little bit of like measuring, whether if it's, excuse me, the EMF technology or, you know, just like, to, I guess, right? It would be like the EMF waves, but there's that measure. So I'm wondering, is it the same kind of measure? Like, what are those different types of measure? Because I know like toxic technology can have an effect on space. Um, how do you handle that in the work you do?
1: Uh, like TVs well, uh, you know, you probably know already that TVs are out when it comes to the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I really am not a big supporter of television. Period. Period. If you know if the dude wants, it's always the dude, if it wants <laughs> to be in the bedroom, then I, I just encourage people to like enclose it or um, unplug it at night. Um, I don't really like TVs. I, it's, in addition to it being a, a, de- a depletion, having a depletion, on the energy field, it's also a third energy that comes in. So if you're in a relationship and you bring in this third energy, it can distract the couple to such a degree that they're not going to do the meaningful work of bonding Mm. or they're going to, yeah, they're going to always have an excuse not
0: to, not to really be intimate this, this came up this week with, um, what's going on globally, like, you know, this hunger for like information. And I noticed myself getting into an easy habit of like being on the phone, being on the phone at the cost of like wind down time without a phone. And, you know, something that three months ago, I was like pretty good at like putting it right on the charger. And, um, you know, just looking within myself with that personal responsibility of like, how's that affecting me and my relationship beyond just like, oh, I got to say the no. It's like, yeah, everything's fine. Like, let's get back to some of the basics. But explaining that as a third, like partner in the relationship, competing for them, that energy, just like any, anything else that could be phone, TV. It's a competition for it's
1: a competition
0: for like intimacy
1: and connection, right? Mm-hmm. To true, meaningful connection. Even, I mean, look, I, I've, I've tested with this. I mean, I'm still guilty of like having, I keep my phone away from my bed, like five, six feet, mm-hmm. but I feel better. I, I've noticed that I actually feel better when my phone is in the kitchen. My excuse is that I like to do the Joe Dispenza meditations, the evening meditation, <laughs> going to sleep, mm-hmm. but I feel better. So, you know, I might just have to like do the meditation in the living room and then go to my bedroom. I just, I'm, it's, it's like, it's
0: too easy to keep it there. I know. That's one thing. We put the phones and the phone charger pretty much as farthest from the room. You can also get a a special,
1: you know, those special things you can insert to reduce the EMFs. Like I have in my phone. It's like the
0: stickers or something.
1: I bought one from this doctor in, um, in Hollywood. He makes these special EMF reduction devices. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a, a huge difference. I feel like, and, and then just as like, as that third say partner energy or just second, if you're alone, yeah, like yeah. you're having this just distraction or I can remember like earlier on feeling like, Oh, is, am I missing something? Is something on my phone? And it, it, it's what feels like the equivalent of almost like a PTSD response. Tell me more about that. Um, like with the phone, like, um, and maybe that's the wrong word. Why I say that is I think that's good. I think There's something here. To do. Yeah. So I'll give you a real life example. I was in Paris during the terrorist attacks and the way we got our information during that experience was through Twitter and social media and could see every time, like the shooting had gotten closer to where we were. And after that experience, I was checking my phone incessantly to stay like alert and after that, I realized that I had a lot of PTSD from that experience. And, but then beyond that, it was like that addiction to the phone. They both felt very similar. And so, why I say PTSD specifically to like a trauma like being in a terrorist attack, or just like whether it's the I'm going to miss something, or if it's like you're in a relationship and you're like wondering, did he text me? Like it's that same kind of frenetic feeling. Yes, it's an addiction. Yeah, and so that's why I said maybe it's not PTSD. Either way, it felt like that addictive tendency. And I think when it, the phone's in the room, it's really easy for the mind to go there.
1: Well, I think we should talk about like the addiction because, like, what's at the root of? We talked. The first question you brought up was how do you bring consciousness to the modern world? And I think it's to do away with all addictions mm-hmm. first. So, like, the addiction to leave oneself. You said to lead oneself, leave, leave, abandon. Mm-hmm. Like all addictions are a form of self abandonment. Hmm. So like, you know, then they become a learned behavior and then you can't stop it. And then you don't even realize what you're doing. It's, it's like, it gives you some kind of a fix. Right. So it's, a, so basically if there's a primary source of anxiety, mm-hmm. which right now there is
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, which is COVID, that's a big source right now. Right but really like this anxiety is stimulating a lot of other anxiety for people that's always been there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So then like using the phone to like, keep checking my emails and my text, it almost like alleviates that anxiety, but it creates a secondary form of anxiety because mm-hmm. then I'm more anxious about, you know, checking it or did like, I get that phone call from that guy? or looking at the stock market. So it's like one form of anxiety to alleviate another form of primary anxiety. And at the root of that, like primary anxiety is a disconnect from a higher power. Mm -hmm. That's where it all, all of this actually comes from um, a misunderstanding of how to source energy. Because we've been programmed for so long, you know, to source energy from the outside, outside of us. And so if we don't have practices in place, if we're not consistently making that space and that time to source energy from within and from above, but not, I don't mean like the, you know, the proverbial God like us in the sky, whatever divinity is to you, like, then we're going to always be looking at something else for our safety and security, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel it's a, it's a spiritual disconnect. That's, that's, that's the whole problem here it's like me and this has been like a really intense process for me i cried so much on this i mean I, I went through a breakup right when covid happened so like i've been using the pain from the breakup and like the stress from the what's happening in the world to really deep dive and to look at my addictions mm-hmm. so until we're like lo- until we start looking at our addictions and then sourcing you know from from a higher power it's going to it'll always be something else because addiction is just like the slot, that something will fit into whether it's a guy or it's money or it's news. Like it doesn't matter what the addict word. It's like, it's just stand in for that, that missing, that, that longing for ourselves, our authentic selves for that connection with whatever you want to call that higher power. It is a higher energy. It is a higher power.
0: And that you said the abandonment of self is the addiction because in that behavior is continuously abandoning self and being disconnected from source.
1: Yeah, because we keep leaving ourselves over and over and over again. I don't think you have to go in the mountain and meditate. Or, I mean, I, I've done the for ten days. I don't. That was the most painful experience sitting in silence for ten days with, without speaking, without phone. You know, there was no human. Con- there was no person to person contact other than the fact that you saw people but it was the hardest experience because then you get to really, you get to really see like what goes on in one's head and the mind is so uncomfortable with being, with with being still,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, the mind, the negative ego is so uncomfortable because it's so scared that it's going to like lose control. Um, but it's in, it's almost like you have to lose that control to find your essence. The,
0: the, the, the control, like that's been something that it's been so obvious of, right now, like the desire for control through information, the desire for control through um, statistics, the desire for control by having things quote unquote open back up, like um, that desire for control, as you said that, it's like that feels like this obvious element to the experience right now.
1: Yeah. Versus like, what's the, what's the alternative? What's the other choice? I, I would say Trust. <laughs> Like what would you be doing if you weren't looking for um certain if you weren't looking for something to attach yourself some some something that you could attach your mind to like some hope for like consist because you're looking for consistency
0: for certainty right. like, oh this is going to come back and then i can go back to the the feeling of safety um it's interesting because i think that in this you know so control right like searching for control searching for control you ask well, what would you be doing the idea of like trusting comes up in like operating from that space of trust. And when I ask the question of like integrating consciousness into the modern world, like by the word modern world, modern world for me it sometimes takes me out of like the idea of trust. You know, it, it, the modern world feels like like I'm on my computer right now with my phone nearby and like my Wi-Fi and my microphone and these. Elements of the modern world that can sometimes make it harder to trust and just be fully in that flow connection, mm-hmm. and and is the uh, is the question really like asking like how do you stay connected to God or Source in the modern world?
1: And I think I, that's a great connect, That's a great question, and I think one of the answers, or if not the answer, is having reverence, gratitude, mm-hmm. and so reverence for nature reverence for you know just the beauty of where we are like that we're alive and I think that gratitude is what will place us back in that space of um I think that's a way into faith I don't know it's it's, it's, personally it's hard for me to jump right into faith Mm -hmm. but I you know a couple years ago I was given like my spiritual Hebrew name um and it was it's And Amuna means, it means faith beyond reason. And so when you get your name, like you also get all the tests with that name. So it's like I'm constantly tested. Um, But like for me, like that's very hard to just jump into faith. Mm -hmm. I I seem to have to go through a lot of steps before I get into my faith. And some of the steps are the breakdown of my ego, Mm -hmm. the relinquishing of my control, And then like the gratitude for what I have right now, there's, there is actually a four step process that I really like, which is, um, you know, it's gratitude. So it's gratitude just for whatever, just keep going, roll with it. Every little thing you think of that you're grateful for. And then um, the second step is to um, ask for forgiveness. So like forgiving, like asking your higher power forgiveness for whatever you may have done consciously or unconsciously to hurt anybody, forgiving yourself for the judgments you've placed against yourself. And then the third step would be to ask for blessings for others in the world. And then the fourth step is to ask for yourself. So I find like sometimes when I'm in that space of like feeling like I'm, I can't figure something out or, um, I start going into a doomsday scenario in my mind, if I could just jump into the four steps and it can be very quick. Mm-hmm. Like gratitude. Like, I'm so grateful that I can, I, that I can see, like I can walk that I, you know, that I have curly hair, whatever. Like I just immediately it shifts my energy. And then like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm so sorry, Hashem, God, like, higher power. I'm so sorry for, um, for the times that I, that I can't, I can't find what to be grateful for, <laughs> <You know? laughs> And then sometimes when I ask for things for myself, I ask for the consciousness of faith to come into me because mm. maybe that, that's not something that I learned in childhood. So I have to ask, we have to you know, say, show me, show me what does that even look like and feel like to have the consciousness of faith show that to me. Um, so yeah, I find that, I don't know, like I'm, i do you believe in past lives? Yes. Yeah. I, th- I must've been a really bad person. Cause I feel like I started my my path like at 12. Like I read my first self-help book. I read codependency no more. I found it on my mom's night, night stand. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, Like She didn't read it. I read it, but I feel like I thought it'd do so much work that it makes me think that I must've been a bad person because I constantly clear my karma <laughs> for whatever it was that I've done. <laughs> hey, are we done yet? <laughs> all been bad and good, but it's like, you know, there, there also has to be a way to have fun with it all. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for opportunities. Like I was talking to my friend, you asked me, you, you asked me at the beginning before we got on this call, like, if there was something
0: that's showed up today for me or mm-hmm. what was Is right. there anything that's on your heart extra right now?
1: Extra on my heart. I was talking to my buddy from Seattle and he was like, he was like, you know, I just noticed that you seem to have to go through a lot of pain before you can get to the other side life. And he's like, I kind of made a choice a long time ago. He lost his mother when he was young and a lot, you know, he had a lot of things. Oh, he had a lot of things that happened to him at a young age. And so he made a choice that he was going to live a life where he saw the good and the joy. So he chooses, he chose, made a very, he made a decision that he was going to learn life. He was going to like get his lessons through joy. Mm. And that's what's been on my heart today is like, I want to be that. I want to be him. <laughs> yeah. I want to just learn through joy. Like I'm kind of over like learning through pain. Like I've learned learning through pain my whole life and I get to joy, but it'd be nice to like not. And, and there is some merit, I think, in learning through pain. Like I know that way of thinking. I just wonder if that's like an, like an archaic way of thinking. Is, can we learn through joy? I don't know. I have not yet done Learn through joy. I mean, I've learned through joy. I've learned how to have more joy through joy. But I'd like to like learn like when when, when the shit hits the fan, and when I'm, and when my emotional wounds get triggered. Like, what would it be like to learn through joy?
0: Yeah, I mean, so much. And this reminds me of like the programming. It's it to me comes back so much to programming. And like, if you've been programmed, whether present or usually past experiences that that's the lens you see from, like, you'll keep pulling that through. I think the distinction is like the lessons can come from joy. Um, but it's like that declaration or commitment within yourself to like, welcome that. And you're so lucky to have a friend that like that learns through joy to <laughs> expand the idea of what's possible. Cause you might not have even known, you know, that existed. And, um, It's like don't under never underestimate the power of like a declaration like that, you know. Like no, I know God,
1: universe. Yeah. No, when I was thirty, and I'm older, much older, I'm in my early forties now. But when I was thirty, I made a declaration that I I only want to have healthy, conscious, happy, joyful relationships with women. Uh I had a lot of drama with girls before that. I have had ten plus years of like really beautiful relationships. With women, so look, I was I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired that that declaration like went all the way through my nervous system. <laughs> like, it went not just in through my mind, my body, through my soul, my whole body. I, I, I just got it, integrated. You know, so yes, I believe you. Like sometimes, but that's why I'm saying like I don't want like do we have to get sick and tired of being sick and
0: tired? Right. Can you like declare that without having gone through the pain? I think the contrast is where you really see, see the ability for it to be a different way. Right.
1: So we retrain Uh, the body. Like what Joda does.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) We train your body to, to know that, to to know the feeling that you want to have before you've manifested the experiences that you'd like to have. So like you, you put yourself in that fit, that physiological
0: state. Yeah. And there, there's also like the, I think too, like in this example, it's easy to dismiss that there's some, something, some need being met through say the experience of pain for a lesson mm-hmm. on some level, whether that's some very deep subconscious level. And it, and I, I think like in that thought of knowing that, although not in the most empowering way, needs are being met. It like lets you feel more free, like forgive, like that for me immediately is forgiveness of like, we've done our best. And the question of like, what's a better way and, um, and And inviting that.
1: I'm happy you said that because just to piggyback off of that, I feel that the pain has also helped me become more compassionate.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So, I, you know, it's developed my compassion, my tolerance, and my capacity to to hold for other people when they're in their pain.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So there's value in pain. um, And on this journey, I'm just setting that intention for myself that I'd like to learn more through joy.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I posted this on Facebook yesterday. I said, what's the difference between pain and suffering? Mm -hmm. And, maybe like the pain is like the opportunity for Mm. like the growth and the suffering is like that emotional space of it going longer than maybe it needs to quote unquote needs to go. Right. It's a negative pleasure. Right. And then letting the suffering, like could suffering be optional and acknowledging the pain, like we're humans. Right. But then like, at what point has that already taken its course and shifting quicker into joy? Um, you know, I've followed Tony Robbins' work for a while and one of the things he says is like I give myself the two minute rule to process and like get back to joy, like joy as a birthright as quick as possible. And some days I'm really rocking my two minute rule and other days I'm <laughs> not so much. And um, you know, the the beauty in life is always existent, but like what are we choosing to see? And um and sometimes hanging out in like less than empowering spaces feels really good for a while, <laughs> you know, and it's longer than two minutes.
1: Yeah. But I, think, I, think, I think what this reminds me of is something I read in a book a long time ago. Like if you're going to have a pity party, uh-huh. use it and time it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm going to do it for the next hour. Like I'm really going to commit to it all the way, but like go all the, go all the way with it. Don't start <laughs> clean yourself. If you're going to do it, just do it all the way.
0: And through it, walk through it. <laughs> yeah, if we get the full get the full fix of it, and then and if you can reduce that down to two two minutes, great. Yeah,
1: exactly
0: <laughs> um, for our listeners and even myself, like, where's a good starting spot to assess the space? Ask yourself, like, one of the questions is: Is this reflective of? I, I caught this from you. Is this reflective of where I am right now and where I want to be headed? Um, but is there any practices that you recommend starting with? Energy clear your
1: space. We all think of sage, but it's mm-hmm. sage is only a primer. You really need to have purification, a way to purify. You can use aromatherapy orange citrus scents so are really good for cleaning and, and energizing the air. But okay. we also we, we also clean the residue, the psychic residue from objects. Cool. And then you can sound, also very important when you're doing the space clearing process is to open the windows. And to make sure you're doing it during daylight
0: Hmm.
1: not nighttime um so really space clearing and having that as a practice it will create a a levity in one's environment if there's a lightness that happens after after you do regular space right now we're all sitting at home so like we're worried a lot of people are worried they're anxious that's all getting going into the house Mm -hmm. there it's hanging out in the space this is also why when people go to vacation on vacations you know, they feel awesome in hotel rooms that don't have any imprints on them because there's no like memory. There's nothing like pulling you into a memory. And then you go back home and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm depressed again because, you know, the house is loaded literally. So mm-hmm. you, I, I would say people should develop a regular practice. like you, you you shower, so give your house an energy boost, an energy lift, a chi lift. Um, the other thing is um, like going through your objects and, you know, being really honest with yourself and asking questions. Do I love this? Am I using this? Does it represent me right now? Does it represent who I want to be two years from now? And then there's, there's follow-up questions. Is it giving me energy? Yes or no? Energy up, energy down. Like, how do I feel in my body when I look at it? (gasps) You know, if you're like expanded versus like contracted, you just Mm -hmm. know your body will tell you. Okay. Um, and then if you're holding on to things that, bring up sad associations, there could be a lesson in that. Like, what am I needing to forgive? Who am I needing to forgive? Is it time to let go of this, of this situation, of this person thought situation? Is it time to make peace with that? Because a lot of times we hold on and there are times when it's, it's healthy to hold on like through bereavement. Okay. That makes sense. If someone's passed and, it's, it's, you're in one of your stages of grief, you know, but if you broke up with someone five years ago and you still have their stuff and you haven't met the right person, like just what's that about? You know?
0: Yeah. Or even like, I think with friendships, <laughs> like if there's objects from a person that it's a friendship that has moved on or whatever, that could still be just stale energy. Right.
1: Stale yeah. So like the goal is to surround yourself with lovables. you want to have more lovables than not. Right. So if I have more things in my space that are stale, that becomes a pick out picturing for my life. Like look at your life. What's feeling stale in your life. So, so when you told me, you know, one of the things I learned in feng shui school with my master, um, Batun back in the day in LA was if you want to quit change, you move, you move 27 objects in your house. Or you move eighteen objects, nine. So you're, you're the fact that you're always moving things. Mm-hmm. That is a way of keeping the, keeping the energy flowing in the house. So you're intuitively doing it. Because mm-hmm. what is if you think of feng shui, like the words themselves mean wind and water, feng shui. So think of the wind as like the invisible realm. It's the subconscious. It's your thoughts. It's the intention. Think of the water as the physical realm. Right. It's like the, the furniture. So where does Feng shui live, it lives in the space between the objects. Hmm. In that space in between. So how the energy flows through that space is feng shui. Is it flowing with like ease and grace? Is it flowing too quickly? Is it like a crazy flow? Is it like a stagnation? Because you want to ch- achieve the right balance. So and it changes too, as you know, because you keep changing it up, it changes based on where we're where we're holding from moment to moment. Right. You just happen to be very sensitive to you, your own. Frequency and your own the movement of the chi and you. So you're always so it sounds to me like you're constantly looking to upgrade and update your space to reflect your inner changes. That is the goal. Mm-hmm. I upgrade, update the environment so it supports wherever I am in any given moment. So it is an ongoing relationship. It's not a one-time fix.
0: Hear that, mom and dad? No. <laughs> um, but one question about crystals, like how does that fit into energy if you have a thought on that?
1: Well, there's a lot of different ways to use crystals. So, like, like well, you, I was going to point to my video. Um, we So, in functionally, we can use crystals to either um, as cures, corrections to fix problems, or we use them and not or, and we can use them to activate. Different energy uh, different um, spots in the house, so when using them to correct a problem let 's say for example, you know there 's like a straight shot from the front door to the back window, the balcony mm-hmm. that 's energy being funneled through the house too quickly that 's not that 's not good feng shui mm-hmm. so a crystal would be placed somewhere between the front door and that back door alignment. To, to slow down that flow of energy, to disperse the chi. So when the chi hits the crystal, the chi goes into different directions. Mm. So it's used to correct, like a faulty line from the front to the back. Okay. Uh, but then it can be used to activate, like, for example, I have, well, this is more of a correction. So I have, like, I have the wall on one side behind me, but then I have the window to my left. So anytime there's a window behind your desk or to the side of your desk, that could be an energy drain. So mm-hmm. my energy. It's not being contained. It's not being held. It's not being supported. So the crystal will hold the chi forming. So it's my energy is not leaving the house. Hmm. That's, that's an energy. So that would be a correction. An activation might look like, you know, there's, let's say there's a spot in my house, which there is. I mean, every house has nine different zones. One of those zones, the far right hand corner of one's home. When I say far right hand, I mean, from the front door, the far, the far right hand corner is love and relationships. So I might use like rose quartz to activate the heart chakra in that area. You know, every zone in the house has a different color that corresponds to the zone. You can find crystals of that color to activate those zones. Or, you know, you might want to create, like I've got a crystal grid on my balcony to charge up the prosperity section. So that's a charging device, Mm -hmm. activation. So like I said, correction and activation, it's different, Mm -hmm. One thing fixes, one thing brings more chi, more energy to
0: that spot. And the clearing and charging of the crystals, is that the same process you mentioned of clearing the space? Well, the sun charges, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Water, salt water clears. The sun also cleanses, but it charges. Mm-hmm. the sun charges. So I leave my crystals in the sun a lot. And then I'll put them in my bra. I'm one of those girls.
0: Mm-hmm. I see them like selling little crystal pockets for the bras now. Are they, I just stick them in my bra and it, it hurts sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm always like, oh man, I lost it. But I always know that wherever it went was where it needed to be. And, huh?
1: Right. And, you know, I lose a uh, lot. I lose
0: crystals. <laughs> yeah. I'm like,
1: oh, well, someone will find it. I hope they like it. Bye, baby, too. It finds its way to its new home, right? Yeah.
0: Bye, little guy. Bye. <laughs> Anessa, thank you so much. This is so just informative and I think expansive for people, especially like if you're still at home or whenever you're listening to this of understanding the power of the space that you're in to support you or to be an energy drain and the opportunity for it to be really empowering.
1: Yeah, you have a choice. Your house can energize or it can deplete you. It's
0: up to you. Yeah, and probably a million things in between, which are also up to you.
1: Yeah, right, right, depending on the room,
0: the area. Um, Is there anything in terms of resources? I definitely want to direct people in the show notes to be able to find you, but if you want to shout out to your Instagram or any programs you're offering.
1: Now what I'm doing is I'm actually offering 55% off on all my Feng Shui services. So everything, all my virtual sessions, Feng Shui uh, assessments, um, guided space clearings, everything is 55% off. Cool. And that's on my website, um, feng shui from the Heart, fengshui from the heart.com And the same thing with my online therapy sessions. I'm doing these mind-body-soul reconnection sessions to help people release trauma. So anytime we're repeating something over and over again, it's usually the root cause is like a trauma that you have that you haven't fully resolved in the field. So I'm doing those sessions and I have a package of three for $255. But awesome. I'm, happy to, I'm doing complimentary sessions. Like if you want to just figure out what session you need. Like I'm doing 25 minute complimentary intro sessions to all my work. So I'm happy to meet them and get a sense of who you are and how I can best serve you at this time.
0: Yeah. And it's the perfect time to do this internal work as we mentioned. So thank you all have a beautiful day wherever you are. And uh, we're signing off from the Lila life show. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. Check out patreon.com slash Life to show your ongoing support for the show. Thank you so much for being here. Without you, this would really mean nothing. Have a great day.